You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here tonight. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those who bring the legacy of that which is good and true and beautiful from all of those people who have gone before us. And there have been many. And we seek here, the living, we seek to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us to learn from their mistakes and to learn from the things that they have done well but most importantly simply to learn from those who have gone before us and to refuse to continue to make the same mistakes but to open our hearts and open our minds to learn from these ancestors so that we can go forward in a new way in a good way in a way that brings out all the gifts and the blessings that are necessary for those who are coming. So we call out to these ancestors to gather round, to bring the legacy of their rich lives to us, to help us, help us the living, to do what we are challenged to do in our own time. And as these ancestors gathered round, let's reach beyond them to the non-human ancestors. And we call out for these spirits of nature, spirits of the land, great spirits of the land, all of the many energies that were here on earth long before anyone ever dreamt up a human. We call out to these energies who are our more ancient ancestors and we ask them to be with us to help us to understand that which abides, to cultivate those things that will go with us when we die, to not be distracted by those things that are superficial and ephemeral. And we ask these ancestors to help us to understand our own true nature, and to help us to tune in deeply to that rich and sweet legacy we have to bring, which is the truth of why we are here. And so we call out to these ancestors in human and non-human form to be with us here, that we might do a better job at doing the unique thing that we came here to do. And so with the ancestors gathering around us here today, let us draw our awareness in from whatever, wherever it is into our head and from our head let us draw this awareness down into our heart. And from our heart let us draw this awareness down into our belly. And from our belly let us reach to the earth and take a moment in this day to stop everything and to just simply give gratitude to the earth for the wonder of this day. For all that is in this day, for the beauty and the great diversity, for the challenges that arise, and for those steps that it offers you along the path of your own unique life. We give thanks to the earth for this place to live our life, this beautiful place to call home, and for the wonder of this thing we are all sharing called life. We give great, great gratitude to the earth for all of these things and so much more. 
And we focus our energy and begin to extend it down through the earth, through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out as we go, moving deep into the very center of the earth and anchoring our energy firmly there. And in this way, we connect to the center of the earth. We choose to ground our energy into the center of the earth. And we take a moment in the very center of the earth to allow our awareness to open out to the darkness and the stillness, to the silence to the deep, nutritive energy that is here in the very center of all things. Let us aware, let our awareness open out to feel this energy that is that potential before it becomes things. And let us draw this energy into ourselves and let it replenish and nourish and restore us as we call this earth energy up, up through all the layers of the earth and into our body. And may we use this energy of the earth to ground ourselves in our day, in our life, to gain a sense from that grounding of where we stand and what we stand for. And from that sense of beginning to understand our values, may we open out and create a sense of home, a sense of hearth, a sense of belonging. And may we do this in a way that begins to open to others, to those people who are different than we are, those people who would challenge us to become the men and women we're really here to be, not by doing what we were taught by our parents, not by doing what we think we came here to do, just running the program we were given, but to challenge that program and to find the things in it that are deeply and eternally value, valuable and let go of the other things and come into our life in a way that we grow and change through contact and communication and true connection with each other. And as we connect, let us grow deeper in our connection with ourself, our connection with our environment, our connection with the spirit world, and let us open our awareness out so that we have a moment of oneness, a moment of finding ourself in that great web of life, and to understand our significance and our insignificance simultaneously. And as we find ourselves in that great web of life, may we come to understand our right relationship with ourself and with others. And with this earth energy moving through us, helping us to ground and connect and to relate in a good way, let us draw that earth energy up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts up into our minds and from our minds up and out into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you here today and out through the sky out through the atmosphere, and all the way out into the cosmos, reaching out through all the wonders of our universe, known and so many that are unknown. Let us reach out through all of that kind of possibility and curiosity and adventure to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, name it, call out to it, reach out to it, connect with it. Know yourself in it and it in you and begin to draw this energy down. And in this way, we draw this energy of blessing into our life, into our day, into these proceedings. We draw down this essence energy of protection and generosity and devotion. We call these energies in that we might be inspired in this day, that the path be illuminated. We call these energies in that we might know the benevolence of our universe and draw that energy in that we become a conduit through which the beneficence of this experience that we are having called life flows through us and flows out to touch others in our life. So as we call this sky energy down from above, 
and we draw it into our head and our heart and our belly and send it down into the center of the earth. Let's take a moment and acknowledge ourselves and this place that is a connection between heaven and earth, this place of meeting, this place of coming together of these two great great forces of energy these two legendary lovers and in that connection in that meeting in that mating is the energy of this big love this energy that birthed this entire experience of form that we are having into existence and we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our own heart that the love in our heart can awaken and open the crucible of transformation that exists within our heart and may we call up the fiery passions of the belly and call down the crystal clarity of the mind and allow these two energies to dance together in our hearts to dance in a way that neither dominates both lead and they both follow and in that dynamic tension they give birth to a third and ever so sacred thing for each one of us which is some sense or feeling or knowing or memory of why it is that we are here. And we ask that that heart also give us the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring the gifts that we find in that heart out into the world and give them manifestation, to give them form, give them expression in the world. And so for all of these energies that gather around us, above and below, to help us in this day, I give thanks. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd also like to give thanks to you, to listeners out there who have been able and generous and uh, willing to give financially to the show, to help to pay the bills for the show and keep the show alive and on the air. It is free and accessible through iTunes, through the Why Shamanism Now website, to the Co-Creator Network website, to anyone who can get onto the internet from anywhere in the world. And this is a it's a great gift that you offer your fellow uh, hum- humans. And so I thank Julie and Masha and Renu and Rich, Joyce, Mark, Lucas, Mary Therese, and Jose, and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you, even if it moves you into irritation and frustration, if it moves you in the heart into inspiration and um, action, however it is that it moves you, allow this most shamanic of actions to happen which is let that thing that moves you in the heart motivate your actions in the world. And so I ask you to do something large or small to help the show to grow. If you are able to donate financially, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I'm grateful for that. If you're uncomfortable with PayPal or paying through the internet, just feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to give you a regular old address for a regular old check. So I'm grateful to all of you, and I'm grateful for those of you sharing shows and using, and most importantly, using what you are learning on the show to affect your life in some way. And then emailing me back, letting me know it worked, it didn't work, it was frustrating, but it worked anyway. Um, It was easy, and I feel blessed. You know, whatever it is, let me know how these things are working in your life or not, and the questions that arise as you begin to do these things, because it is your questions that become the next show. 
So thank you all for helping me to keep the show alive and vital and relevant. Um, We are not live today, but I'm certainly happy to entertain your questions. You can simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'd be happy to respond. So our show today is about discerning your true calling, and it is um, about taking our questions at at this juncture in our year to the warrior. So today, our series about creating change, and so even though we're focused on this particular solstice coming up in a couple weeks, what the process by which we're investigating this and how we're approaching it is still a process that you could use to create change or to seize the moment. So um, even if you're listening to the show after the solstice, it doesn't mean the information isn't relevant because this is all about how do we use our journeying and our other shamanic skills to create change in our contemporary life. So today... Um, We're continuing in this series, in particular about seizing this winter solstice, but overall it is about how do you create change in your life so that you can find your true calling. And so we're focusing in today on the warrior and in particular discernment and discerning your true calling. So... For those of you just recalling sort of what we we talked about last week which was the beginning of the series. This winter solstice is an opportunity for those who are prepared to make a sudden change versus a slow and painstaking change, but a sudden change. So for those who are actually able to drop your old stories and stop telling yourself lies, you can seize this opportunity for a sudden shift into a new version of yourself and your life. And given... Um, this opportunity at this particular solstice I've gone to the four archetypal teachers from the cycle of transformation to ask for guidance in how we can all prepare to seize this opportunity for sudden change and thus better align with our true calling okay so just in case you don't know why we're going to these particular archetypal teachers, last week was the healer, this week is the warrior, is because these are the two of the four archetypal teachers that are the core of the practice that we are learning in the cycle of transformation, which is a set of teachings that comprise a shamanic tradition within a shamanic cosmology. Within that cosmology, you learn to work with your personal helping spirits and the teachers that populate the cosmology, like the healer and the warrior. So the teachers of the cosmology then balance out your your relationship between you and your personal helping spirits in the same way that the teachers in the cosmologies of indigenous peoples balance out and complete their relationship with the invisible world. So it helps us as individuals connect into the larger uh, picture of what is going on. So, as I said, while we're talking about seizing the moment of this particular solstice, this process itself that we're exploring over these four weeks can be used for seizing any moment and creating any change in your life. So... We are seizing the moment of this winter solstice to clear the way for clarity and alignment with your calling in the coming year. Uh, 
so we want to work toward um, your calling be- in a way that is going to bear fruit versus there's a lot of I get a lot of emails from people about how their work seems to just be cycling or um, spinning in a sense and not really getting any traction and moving forward. So relative to this, the warrior, as is often the case with the warrior, was rather short on words. This is not uncommon. So first, I'm simply to remind you all of the focus that was shared by the healer last week. So the first thing the warrior wants to do is just reiterate what was really important about this particular time. So this winter solstice is an opportunity to use ritual, to seize the moment to make next year more fruitful, meaning more fruitful than whatever your normal is. So the year isn't going to just be fruitful because it's 2015. It's a big work year. But the point is, if you're going to work, you might as well bear fruit um, as a result of your labors. So if you prepare now, do good ritual work, then the promise of this solstice is that your work next year will be very fruitful. Okay, so this ritual time is about putting your money where your mouth is. And as I talked about that last week, that means that you are spending your time on the things that you value and you are going to stop spending time in the things that you don't value. So you're beginning to, so the point is to realign your life so that you're starting to truly shape your life around that which you value. Okay, this ritual time is about aligning your words with your actions and your actions with your words. So in other words, if you're not going to do it, don't say it. If you're saying it, shut up and do it. And that it's about bringing us into a greater sense of personal integrity and impeccability in the alignment between our words and our actions. And this is one of the key things if we do this at the solstice fire and live in that way in the coming year our life will be more fruitful. This ritual time is also about the opportunity then to drop old stories that have been driving how you perceive and discern in life. So this is an important piece today as well as we talk about discernment. This ritual time is also about an opportunity to stop telling yourself lies. We all lie to ourselves about who we are because there's only really one truth, which is that We are each a face of the divine here to live that unique face of the divine. We're here as an expression of spirit in the world. That's our responsibility. That's why we're here. It's a very simple truth. All the other things you're telling yourself, lies. Okay. So moving on, then the promise in this coming year of fruitfulness is also a reminder of what is always true, which is that what you sow is what will bear fruit. So be careful what you plant. In other words, your practice is what you do every day. So look at your day and be honest. What is your practice? So what are you sowing through your practice? You know, what what are you creating in your life by what you choose to spend each day doing? So whatever you sow will bear fruit. So be careful what you sow. So that's the review the simple in a nutshell of last week's uh, message from the warrior uh, from the healer 
So now the warrior's message today is based on the assumption that you've actually listened to the healer's message and begun to do the work of those journeys and taking the actions as prescribed by the healer. So if you haven't listened to last week's show, I would suggest after this week you do that. So the warrior's teachings in general are about how we approach life. And then discovering through the quality of our engagement with life, the principles that guide us in the right use of will. And this is what the warrior is all about, is the right use of will, of engaging in life in such a way that we learn, often through our mistakes, about what is truly the right use of will. And so the warrior's teachings are about action, choosing, and then acting, having the experience, reflecting on that experience, and learning from it. So the warrior's uh, teachings are also about the courage to engage in our shadow work. So it's not just about actions in the outer world. It's also about the courage to take the really scary actions in our inner world. And it is about the willingness to love where it feels vulnerable to do that. And so in particular, our most vulnerable place of loving is actually loving the aspects of ourself we've shoved into the shadow. And if we can do that, we actually learn what it means to transform an enemy into an ally. Right? So... The warrior's teachings are about this courage that it takes to engage our shadow, the love that is required to transform these estranged and vilified aspects of ourself, and, and cultivating the discernment that arises from this kind of deep personal work. So, to put a sharper point on this, what the warrior is basically saying is, as long as you have aspects of yourself in shadow, your discernment will be off. Because the aspect of yourself in shadow is um, coloring how you are seeing the world, how you are interpreting what you're experiencing. It's coloring the choices you're making that are creating the experiences that you're having. That unresolved shadow selves are affecting your discernment. So if you really want to discern your true calling, you have to step up to the warriorship necessary to work with your shadow selves and that's the so the warrior is saying that true discernment arises out of this level of deep personal work okay so another aspect of the warrior's teachings are about open-hearted action in the world um in other words it this is oh over time this is a process by which we come to understand that vulnerability is not a weakness, that our capacity to be vulnerable is actually a stance of great power, and that when we do that kind of open-hearted action in the world, it does require that we face our fears and that we do whatever it takes, and that we learn from all of the what we learn from all of this allows us to further cultivate our sense of discernment. Okay, so, again, the warrior is all about not just the willingness to take the action to live your true calling, but it's about cultivating the capacity to discern what is my true calling and what are the actions that will actually 
move me in that direction. Okay. So, the warrior, in my journey with the warrior, on your behalf, uh, the warrior brought me back to the talk that I actually just gave on Sunday. And in this talk, I was describing what can happen between fathers and daughters and the uniqueness of that relationship. And in this talk, I said, um, after describing the sort of common things that happen, I said, but if a father has good character and is able to teach his daughter to cultivate her character, then something else entirely can happen. And so this is the point the warrior wants to make. You all have a sense of normal for yourself and what is normal for life around you. Everybody defines their own sense of normal. But the warrior is saying, if you were to do X, Y, and Z, then something else entirely could happen. In other words, your normal isn't necessarily reality. That what is normal for you should you change how you orient in the world could completely change and something else entirely could then happen and this is um this i don't even know what to call it but this approach this way of understanding life is related also to um the crazy logic of trickster energy in other words the willingness to do something other than is my habit to do my unthinking, unconscious, unaware way of approaching myself, my day, all of the assumptions that I'm making. If I do something other than that, then something else entirely can happen. And this is what the warrior's talking about. If we want sudden change so that we can be different in the new year, obviously we have to approach our perspective about how we see ourselves and how we see our world. And if we can change this, then something else entirely can happen. So something else entirely would then be your new normal. So the big question then is for the warrior, you know, what's X, Y, and Z, right? What are these things that I need to shift my awareness around so that something else entirely can happen? And so there are three things from the warrior, which is, you know, part two and are looking at what we need to do for the solstice. So these things are, one, refuse the suffering of your childhood. In other words, refuse to continue suffering as you did in your childhood. Number two is accept responsibility for the life you have created. And number three is to focus on your one true responsibility. Okay, so these seem kind of esoteric for the warrior, but they're not really. So, because what the warrior is basically saying is that we could have any two people, any two people, that's all. Let's say they meet at work, they both just got new jobs at work, same job, and they're both doing it. So, one person can choose to see things in a way that he or she will be lost their whole life and never really get a sense of their true purpose or their their whole life right but the other person who's living very much the same life could choose to perceive of it differently could approach that life differently same life same job same everything 
and just by choosing to see it differently can use that same life to teach that person to discern why he or she is here. So this is what the warrior is trying to say, is it's not about what you do or whether you meet that magical person or find your teacher or all of these big life events, that whether or not you are actually learning to discern and track your true calling in life has to do with how you choose to perceive the world and yourself in it. And all you have to do is change your attitude, basically, and you will begin to see the lessons right there, right in front of you coming from life all the time. So this is the warrior's kind of main message. All right. So how do we then choose to engage with life in a way that's going to matter? Okay. So let's look more deeply at the first part of the warrior's message, refuse the suffering of your childhood. Actually, the warrior's words were deny the suffering of your childhood, but that's a tricky word to use because of our pathological denial about things. But the point was to choose as an adult to stop reliving the suffering of your childhood. The warrior is saying, you already did this once. You did suffer this in your childhood. And you need to drop those old stories so that you do not continue to suffer in the same way. In other words, when you keep your unresolved childhood stories alive, you keep your child in that suffering. And that the warriorship of life is to confront that past suffering in such a way that you end it. You do not simply continue. And this is really important because... It taps into a place in life where no one can do this for us. The bottom line of continuing to suffer in your childhood patterns is you are choosing to continue the suffering. That's the place of choice. The point is not that you as a child necessarily chose that. It's that you're continuing now as an adult to choose it. And what the warrior is saying is knock it off. Stop choosing Stop allowing yourself to continue to indulge that suffering. That's the number one piece the warrior is saying. You know, for some of you, this is another piece that's important. For some of you, the child that you were before the suffering may actually know your true calling or at least feel the passion of it. It really depends on your childhood. But if you were kind of left to your own devices as a child to a certain degree you were allowed to play you were allowed to do your make-believe you were allowed to do your chores do this do that but be uncertain have adventures make mistakes not get too terribly punished for it that you were allowed to play and dream and just be a kid if you were actually allowed to be a kid and I'm not saying you had a perfect life I'm just saying you were allowed to be a kid then it's very possible around nine, ten years old, you actually were really clear what your true calling feels like. You might not have known what that meant you would do in the world very accurately, but you knew the feeling of it. Now, some of you, if you got uh, forced by the circumstances of your life to become an adult too soon, or you suffered a great deal of abuse or trauma in your childhood, that may not be true for you. You may not have tapped that sense of knowing as a young child but a lot of people do even in the face of great suffering as kids that the power of your calling rises in that age 
before you then sort of dive into your pre-adolescence and adolescence. And so the truth of the matter is by focusing so much on the suffering of our childhood, we miss the fact that there is part of ourself in our childhood who actually does already know why we're here. So this is a really important piece that the warrior is bringing us to understand is how we need to refuse the suffering of our childhood. So I asked the warrior, how are people supposed to do this? We've got like two weeks before the solstice. How is this supposed to happen? This could be a tall order for some people. And frankly, I got a very stern look. Like, have you not been listening? You know, the things I do for you listeners. Anyway, well, so with this sort of grumpy warrior, what I got was that the warrior, the point the warrior is really making is that everything the healer guided us to do last week will help us to refuse the suffering of our childhood. So all of that work we talked about last week, all of the journeys about how do you uncover these old stories and how do you drop these lies that you're telling yourself, all of that is actually activity that will amount to you refusing the suffering from your childhood. And so, just to remind you then, the healer gave us four areas we needed to investigate to prepare to drop these old stories and stop telling lies. So the first was changing our perception of what it means to live well. And this is on last week's show, but I'll just review really quickly. And number two that the healer gave us was changing our relationship with death so that we understand death as healing and healing as death. And numbers three and four, number three was understanding differently the, the role of the community and the individual. And then number four was understanding differently the role between the individual and the community. And so these were explored very specifically last week. And, and basically the warrior is echoing and confirming what the healer is saying, which is do this work. Drop these old stories and lies, and in this way, you will also um, refuse the suffering. So, if you're doing your journeys from last week and beginning to create your power objects for the fire, as you just continue to do this work, keep in mind that part of the purpose of is about going forward in a new way on the other side of the solstice um, in which you refuse the suffering of your childhood. Okay, so let's move on. Because there's two other pieces of the warrior's message for us. And all of the warrior's messages are about action. This whole sense of choosing your action, experience, you know, doing it, experiencing that choice, reflecting on it, and learning from it. And um, the first piece for the warrior, uh, I'm sorry, the second thing from the warrior is how we need to change our understanding of our responsibilities in life. So the first one is, the first aspect is about accepting responsibility for the life we have created. And then the other aspect was um, accepting that you have one true responsibility, which is to express your soul, uh, your true calling with your life. Okay, so let's take the first one first. All right, so we have um, this very much, much misunderstood and misdirected truth about accepting responsibility for the life you have created. 
So taking this responsibility is absolutely critical for true warriorship in life. I'm not arguing that. And this spiritual principle is this principle of accepting responsibility for the life you have created is one of the most often abused and truly misused um, spiritual principles. So, for example, you know, right now here in America, we are having a huge cultural challenge, humanity, a humanity challenge about understanding how to live in a better way with the layers of injustice and issues of rank, privilege, and power that lay the foundation that allows these police killings of unarmed black men and black teens. Now, this is not the only atrocity going on in America. I'm just using it as an example. It is very current right now. So let's look at the abuse of this spiritual principle. So to abuse the spiritual principle would be to say that these dead black men and boys need to take responsibility for creating that life that led to their death. That would be a misuse of this principle. That is not what this principle is saying. Now, it would also be an abuse of this spiritual principle to say that these dead black men and boys had no responsibility for their wrongful death. The death was wrongful. But to say they have no responsibility is to say that they have no power. And that's wrong. They do have power. As individuals, as individual humans, they have the same power in their humanity and their divinity as I do. We are equal as humans in this regard. But as soon as any one of us steps out into our world, and this is true for every human stepping out into whatever culture they are living in, as soon as you step out into the world, you face a ve- each one of us faces very, very different array of sorting out of rank and privilege and power in that world. So while each human is equal in their humanity and divinity and their power, their capacity to to step out into the world and express that is different because of the defining, cultural defining of rank, privilege, and power. Okay. So the important thing to understand is we all need to take responsibility for the fact that we create this array of rank, privilege, and power that we share in our cultures through our actions. So this is true everywhere, no matter what your culture is. It's just that the assortment of rank, privilege, and power is different. But we all participate in creating it because we are our culture. And so this is a very different layer of what it means to take responsibility for what each of us as individuals is creating. So we all create the array, whatever that is, of rank, privilege, and power that we share in our culture through our collusion with it, for our unconscious aligning with it and participating in it. And this is a different, again, it's a different layer of taking responsibility um, of what we each create as individuals. And, and even, you know, furthermore, with this participation in creating the rank, privilege, and power in our cultures, we do this through each moment we refuse to act 
and to step into what that moment is calling for, for right action. So whether we do it or not, in these tiny moments, um, this, this again is this different layer of responsibility for how we're all participating in creating this rank, privilege, and power array in our culture, which then creates the foundation for various atrocities like this one that I'm using as the example to happen. So how do we understand this thing the warrior is telling us then? this principle of taking responsibility for the life that we've created. Well, one of the ways to think about it is that this principle is personal. It's about you and your moment-to-moment choices. It's, it's in some ways an issue of scale. And it doesn't absolve us all, or maybe another way to say it is, it, this also applies to each of us, as in our collective function. So we function collectively in that we are the culture and we function individually. The warrior is talking about individually. He's talking about that place where each one of us is equal in our humanity and our divinity and in that, in our power. He's talking about that. It's, it's not about ignoring that we then step out in the world to live our true calling and engage with the rank, privilege, and power differentials that are out there. But it's talking about if we want to learn to discern accurately, we have to take personal responsibility for what we individually are creating in our life. So it's there are two different things, and it's, it's inappropriate to blame the individual for the cultural event but it's also inappropriate for us to say that as an individual I don't have a part in the creation of the cultural event but these are two different things two different actions two different responsibilities or responsibility for two different things I think that's about as clear as I can be in this. So what the warrior is talking about relative to your preparation for the solstice ritual is this principle of taking responsibility for the life you have created is really about looking at your projections and your blame in your life. So it's about becoming aware of where you are projecting your stories onto life, onto other people versus engaging with real life and about learning then how to take those projections back and to see others and yourself, hear others, and to engage with others as they truly are. This, this principle of taking responsibility for creating your life is also about taking responsibility for the blame that you are placing outside of yourself that is really actually your responsibility in the moment. Okay, so how, how do you work with this? So when you refuse to project your assumptions and stories onto others, and you refuse to blame others for your choices. It's not that you can't look out in the world and see that there are issues that are larger than the individual that are problems that you have to struggle with. I'm I'm not denying that. The issue is when we blame others for choices we've actually made. That's what the warrior is trying to get us to look at. And to understand that these choices, um, 
that if you if you succeed in recognizing that you are projecting and recognizing that you are blaming and choosing to pull that back then it changes the question that you're asking about life and when you change the question you're asking about your life you change what you're learning so and so let me give you an example what the warrior is saying is when you're projecting and blaming you're asking why did this happen to me you know you're frustrated that life isn't fair right life isn't fair actually Um, but anyway the point is the question you're asking is why did this happen to me why did I get sick why did my boyfriend leave me why did I get fired again why is my boss such an ass right why so that's the question that comes out of that particular perspective about life but if you change that to a given that I am an empowered person I am choosing to create my life then the question becomes, why the hell did I create this? What was I trying to learn? What is my soul so desperately trying to get me to learn that I would create this really shitty thing that just happened in my life, right? So it changes the question. And you, you, you're taking responsibility for the choices that have created, for the, the aspect of your life that has been created by your choices. And when you change the question, you change what you learn. Now, the important thing about this is do not do a spiritual bypass. This is not a karmic question. So the bypass would be, I've been abused by my boss because I was the abuser in my past life. That's a total karmic, it's, it's, it's abusing karma, the concept of karma, to bypass actually looking at what it is you're trying to learn from your life. And there's no warriorship in that at all. It's a complete cop-out. Okay, so the question is about this life. What am I trying to learn to hone myself for my soul's purpose? What am I feeling in the context of this life as a result of these choices that I've made? And how does this help me to get out of the way so that the me inside of me who knows my true calling can be heard? So in other words, it's, it's recognizing that this life that you are crafting, particularly the problematic parts, is trying to show you, reflect back to you where you are in denial of yourself and potentially the part of yourself who actually knows why you're here. And the warriorship in this is being willing to take responsibility for your choices and how your choices have participated in creating the life that you are experiencing. And one of the main choices is, is just your attitude for how you're going to perceive things. Okay, so moving along here to the next aspect of this taking responsibility. You know, warriorship is hard. I'm not even going to pretend this is easy. And I know you got a whole lot of journeys from last week from the healer. And here are the warriors saying, yeah, now you got to take responsibility too. But that's the nature of warriorship. So the warrior said that we have one true responsibility. And until we begin to build our life on that assumption, we can't really begin to discern accurately. This is, this is very important because it's very un-American. So, to assume that we are here for a unique purpose changes how we care for ourselves and how we engage in community and actually what communities we actually choose to engage with. 
So once we accept responsibility for our soul's development in this life, like that's why we're here, our soul's expression and development in this life. And then the particular refinement of that, which is then the expression of our particular calling. You know, this is how we learn to discern. Okay. So what the warrior is suggesting, this is kind of where we get down to the work here, is that you set a task for yourself to learn to discern the difference between your true passion. This is passion for your true calling and obsession. And if you don't have any idea what that means, journey about it. Journey to your helping spirits and ask them to help you feel. What does my true passion feel like? Okay, great. What is what I think passes for passion feel like? Okay. The next one the warrior suggests you explore is to learn to discern the difference between needing love, how that feels, the feeling of needing love and the feeling of getting that need met, how that feels different from actually feeling love and being loving and how those things feel different. Another place of exploration the warrior suggests that you look at is to learn to discern the difference between emotional drama which there's many many versions it's not just codependency it can be exaggerating your emotions and indulging your emotions or shutting down and withdrawing and not participating but these are all these emotional dramas that we play out because we do this and the other person does that and then this happens you know and it goes on and on and on and before we know it we're doing the same thing over again same patterns So the warrior is encouraging you to learn the difference between that emotional drama and your actual expression of true emotion, which in the beginning, when you're trying to get the hang of true emotional expression, will likely feel less intense than your emotional dramas. This is one of the big challenges, especially moving out of an addictive relationship in life, addictive um, and by addictive relationship, I mean addiction to anything, is that there's an intensity that comes out of that that we start to think, feel is normal and necessary. And the challenge in um, that the warrior is setting for you is to understand the difference between that intensity of that emotional drama that is part of addiction, um, that can be part of addiction, and just the actual expression of your true emotions. And so the warrior is also considering, if you do this, these pieces of discernment and you journey however you need to or work with learning to discern how those things feel differently, that you move on to learn to discern the voice of yourself from the voice of your false self. And that you learn to discern the distinction between the voice of your soul from the voice of yourself. And that the third layer of this, these are all layers going deeper, is that you learn to discern the voice of your calling from the voice of your soul. So in other words, the warrior is pointing out there are many layers of discernment you need to cultivate if you want to actually understand your true calling. 
So in other words, a lot of people come to me, one of their presenting issues is I want to know why I'm here, I want to know my true calling, but they're utterly living in their false self. And so the suggestion the warrior is making here is that there are three layers of sort of stripping yourself down before you actually get to a place where you can hear the voice of your calling. And so again, there's the false self out here, biggest and loudest, and the first discern the dis- to discern the difference between your false self and yourself, your person, your, your ego identity personality person. Who is that? Because that self can make the choice to um, can make a choice that is different than what the false self wants to do. So there's a self that can argue with the false self. And what the warrior is encouraging you to do is go beyond that and understand then the distinction between your soul, this even deeper voice, and yourself, your kind of ego identity personality self. And then to go even deeper and discern the actual voice of your calling relative to your soul. In other words, my soul has other things to talk with me about, not just its purpose for being here. There are other things it wants to communicate to me. So what I need to learn to discern is the actual voice of the calling. And so these are all voices inside of ourselves that we need to learn to discern how they feel so we know who's saying what within us. So now personally, this was not from the warrior. All of this was from the warrior. But this little piece that I'm going to share with you is probably actually a message from Crazy Woman. This is what I would do with those last three things. Those last three things about the selves is really important. But what if you set up the sequence of, of music, a sequence of one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, in your little playlist, and that you dance to feel the difference between yourself and your false self. And then the song changes and you dance to feel the difference between your soul and yourself. And you dance to feel the difference between your calling and your soul. And then the, then it switches to the next set of three songs. And you keep going through that sequence again and again, stripping away through the movement and trying to allow those different voices to move you through the dance and begin to get a feeling of what those voices feel like before you ever try to actually hear what they're really saying. Now, of course, it's easy to hear what the false self is saying. But my point is, for many of us, our, our angst about understanding clearly what our soul is trying to tell us about our true calling keeps us from knowing what that ever even feels like. So dance it. Don't worry about the details, but what does it feel like when these voices are in charge, when they are speaking to you, and they can speak to you through movement. So that would be my little crazy woman task I would give you in preparation for the solstice for the warrior but I need to carry on because the warrior actually has the warrior's own task for you so back to the warrior the warrior's suggestion for the solstice fire is that you seek to free your discerner because there are all these things about learning to discern and so the warrior's suggestion is you free to seek your discerner so think of this aspect of yourself as this, this one who has this responsibility to discern the distinction between truth and falseness, you know, truth and fiction, right? And so 
you're already involved in freeing your discerner from old stories because that's what we talked about last week and you're already involved in freeing your discerner from the lies that you tell yourself so now you're just adding the warrior's piece which is to free your discerner from false passions and these are the journeys that the warrior has given you to do that and so in other words feeling your true passion is essential if you're going to learn to discern your true calling and so you need to free your passion up from all of these false passions that you tend to fall into okay so the first is to journey you can even journey to the warrior and ask to be shown the false passions that you feel when you've taken on the role of the victim in life so that's journey number one so journey number two, same journey, but just different false passions. So journey and ask the warrior to help you to feel um, what the false passions feel like when you take on the role of a disciple in life relative to people of power or authority. So a disciple is someone in this definition from the warrior's perspective who gives up their power to the person in authority, right? Okay. So number three, the warrior is suggesting that you journey to find out what your false passions feel like when you take on the role of the rebel. So in this case, the rebel is a path that we go through when we don't have the courage to actually lead and step into true warriorship in this particular regard. We could have a whole other show about rebels um, as shadow of the warrior and rebels as actual warriors but that's not today's show so the fourth question is asking the warrior to help you to feel your false passions when you choose to be invisible being invisible is a choice and it is a false passion unless we're using invisibility for protection but that's not the point invisibility is the kind of person who works behind the scenes for somebody else's greatness but they never actually um, get known or acknowledged or get the gratitude for their own efforts. Okay. So in terms of your power object then for the fire, consider your discerner like a blade and that you are using the fire to hone and purify your blade of discernment. And so given these journeys and your answers from these journeys, just think about what do you need to release into the fire to free yourself from these habits of false passions so that you can feel your true passion when it rises. And then you can learn to trust your true passions. And with their guidance, you can learn to discern the steps to manifest your true calling. So we give gratitude to the warrior and the warrior's offerings for how we would approach this solstice coming up. And we give thanks to the ancestors for gathering round. We give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Have a good week, everyone.